You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Hello and welcome into another edition of Three Mall. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former B-Rider for the Manhattan Mercury. Huh. Strap it in for this one. Uh, this may be a tough one to get through. I'm just going to get right into it, man. Grab your 360 vodka, grab your Ben Holiday bottle and Bond bourbon. Uh, hopefully you've already had one or two uh, before starting this discussion because that was a painful painful ass loss in uh in austin i was about as gut-wrenching as it gets with k-state losing by three in overtime uh whether it is ben holiday bottle and bond urban or 360 vodka our friends at holiday still have the hookup for you great k-state folks uh who support our pods so please support them if you're going to the game uh this weekend k-state baylor and please do uh if you can get out there let's let's avoid a little little bit of a letdown here after that game last week uh make sure you have it stocked up your tailgate whether you are more on the 360 vodka side or the ben holiday bottled in bond bourbon side uh get stocked up and uh let's do it to it okay um yeah i guess we can just start there man i this is a tough one to get off get up off the mat for um you lose the chance to be in the driver's seat for the Big 12 championship game. You lose the chance to have eternal scoreboard over Texas. You lose the chance to break that losing streak against Texas. You lose the chance to vault yourself uh, into the top 20 and become a, a topic of national discussion here for the, the rest of the week. And by the way, if you if you make the Big 12 championship game, you're like, well, I'm I think we feel pretty good about that that matchup for K-State and Arlington had you actually gotten there. So there is a lot, a lot that was lost uh, by by losing that game. And especially to have K-State be the better team for the back. I mean, at least 20 minutes of game time of that. K-State was decidedly the better team there. And to have it come down fourth and goal play like that with all the missed opportunities, uh, it is it is one that's just going to thing and, and kind of make you sick for a while. I don't know that there's much much getting around that fact. Yeah, I think because of implications and the way that it unfolded, it's, you know, 10 times more painful problem than that than anything that transpired with Oklahoma State and Missouri. I think Missouri was gut-wrenching in a way because it ended on a 61-yard field goal. Oklahoma State, they just didn't play well. Um, never And never figured it out at any point in that game. Against Texas, you did figure it out at the end of the second quarter. It might have been too little too late. If you figure it out before that, maybe you don't have to roll the dice in overtime, so to speak. But, yeah, that was painful. And, and the first half, most of the first half is, you know, where the criticisms are going to lie. You know, going for it in fourth quarter in overtime, I I didn't mind that as much. Um, you know, more so I minded the third and one call before Chris Tennant missed a chip shot field goal when you probably could have done more there in that situation. At least, you know, maybe a scheme or a formation that was really working for you on that day. The QB run game wasn't really that effective. So, uh, painful loss and just a bad, bad start again. And, and and just getting down big deficits in Texas. That's become a common thing. 
top five, uh, maybe a top five most painful regular season football loss in my lifetime. John, would you agree? Oh, you're putting me on the spot there. I'd have to really think through that, man. I, it's the most painful regular season football loss that I can remember in a while. Like out of the climate era, has there been a more painful one? I, I don't think that there has been. And 17 and 18 didn't matter enough for No, no, you don't. You'd have to go back to 2012 Baylor to probably yeah. find a more right. painful. I mean, you get Auburn hurt in 2014 because you missed opportunities, but yeah. it didn't. It was a non-con game, and you know it didn't. Auburn didn't end up being very good. And then uh, 2000 OU when College Game Day was in Manhattan, that one really hurt. I was just about. I was just about to say that. When I was like, man, 2000 yeah. OU above maybe all the rest in terms of painful regular season losses. Yeah, I started writing out a list. I mean, I could maybe even argue 2004 KU John and Lawrence just because it was the first time. But it, I mean, that team wasn't going to go anywhere. It just uh, the team was that good. Yeah, yeah, no, it stung. And then 2003, 2003 at Texas hurt a lot. You know, the Roberson had the ball, chance to go up 10 with 10 minutes left in the game, and that, that one slipped away, and that was a team that we thought a national championship aspirations as well. They ended up winning the big well deal. Sorry to drag everybody down a dark hole of uh, memory lane there of uh, upsetting losses, but it's just another long string of difficult losses to Texas. That's uh, <clears throat> seven straight losses to the Longhorns, and six of those seven have been decided by a grand total of 29 points, an average of 4.8 points per game, and six of those seven losses. You have a double overtime loss in 2017 where they lost by six. You have this one where, you know, regardless of everything that transpired in the game, and we'll talk about why they were in that position and, and playing catch-up, but Regardless of everything, even the third and one call, which was incredibly frustrating that D.Y. mentioned, you had six yards to go with four downs. And um, that's, that's, that's I just have replayed those those plays in my head, guys, probably 50 times. It's been agonizing. Yeah, it's, this, it, yeah and I was going to say, first, second, and third down were actually good calls. So they all could have been touchdowns, and that's what that, hurts. Oh, like, I know people are getting on Colin Klein and the the beginning of the game was not good at all but dude if Will Howard runs right on first down I'm not sure that he's scoring but he's getting to the one or the two probably and your your yeah. game yeah your, there was one block that was a game finish your play calling completely changes after that it was it was just not not great vision on that but the second down play I mean it's the jump pass and I'll be honest I haven't like seen if that was wide open, but Ben Sinnott released off the line of scrimmage with nobody around him. I have no idea how Texas did that. Like, and it just, you know, the play, I get it. It's, it's hard to just like veer off of that play and see that and make it happen. But I, that was what killed me. I saw him, the snap, and Ben Sinnott just walks right into the end zone with nobody around him. Ball gets batted down. And then Keegan Johnson, Cole, I know you told me you, you had more of a stomach to go back and watch some of this than I did, but you told me that Keegan Johnson would open for like a second half before the ball got rifled in there on third down, but I'll throw in cursory. Why the hell can't we get a replay of crucial plays in a game to see that? Because I didn't get a chance to see it like closer other than Will just looked like he tried to rifle it in there too hard. I mean, felt like they schemed up three touchdowns potentially or that, that just didn't work out. They probably did. The third down one would have been tough, probably no matter what. But um, second down was a clear touchdown for sure. And credit to Texas that that's them making a play a little bit in that situation too. 
is so is that pop pass truly a one read play or can will have the opportunity to look that off like should have during quarterback see a whole field there and see this tight end wide open a pop pass there's usually only one intended target yeah i think i yeah i don't know i don't lose a ton of sleep like in terms of like, hey will should have Right, because that, I mean, the whole point is you got to carry out a run fake. So you're you're thinking right. You got to sell a run fake. So you're you, heads forward. You just got to. Yeah, it's a, it's a predetermined throw because you're literally kind of going blind. You run up there, jump and throw it, and you're just assuming it's going to be open. It, it would have been open. It appeared. Gibbons uh, was open. Yeah, he was popping open right as the ball gets batted down uh, to Andre Sweat broke free and uh, unfortunately dominated K-State up front all game. I mean, he's a load at 365 pounds. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. In just my head, I was like, you know, you see tight end pop open that quickly wide open. I'm, I'm kind of hoping your quarterback sees the whole field and maybe, you know, just goes ahead and chucks it. But uh, I get it. Texas only had one defender to two guys there on that side of the field. It was bizarre. Like they, they screwed that up. So, but yeah. It would work probably if they block it right. So it's that that one's done. And then the third down play, I mean, Keegan was, Will was late. I mean, Keegan was wide open crossing over the end zone there. And they were uh, they were in zone. And, but I, I also think Keegan probably needed to settle in a little quicker into the, the spot in the opening. But, I, you know, Will could have hit him. It would have been a touchdown. So that's what hurts. Three plays. Could have been a touchdown. Did the ball get her like to his hands on the third down play again? Like I have no idea what the hell. Like it was behind him, wasn't it? And he threw it really hard. And I mean, there was there was a lot of smoke on it though. Yeah. That. Yeah. I, I obviously I, I hated the fourth down call. So yeah. not so much going. Not so much going for. I mean, I I do question going for it there because you're at the four and you're in an obvious passing situation, if you're at like the one and a half or the one-yard line, I'm more on board with it because you got the whole playbook, but they know you're going to drop back and throw, and I just don't love K-State's offense trying to beat them in an obvious passing situation there on fourth down, and I didn't like the call of what, what they did. Here's my thing, and I know Clem is not going to say it in post game, but I would have to imagine a part of calculus there is Chris Tennant, is not good in short range situations. He's already missed a chip shot field goal. You already screwed up the snap on an extra point. And Chris Tennant is a guy that we've seen throughout his career. It seems to mentally, you know, he's had some issues when things start to go wrong. And that was going to be another short chip shot with all the pressure in the world on him. I just think that probably has to be a part of your calculus. Like, hey, it's not, people view it as like it's an automatic three points. The way that day was going, I do not think that was an automatic three points. If that's a 40, honestly, if it's a 40-yarder, I would have felt better about Tenet there because he's better for whatever reason. He's like better from 35 and out than he is 35 and in. That's what we've seen throughout his whole career. So I I will defend the decision based almost solely on that. Like you have a chance to go win the game. And I would not, I don't, would you guys have felt great about Chris Tenet lining up to go kick field goal? Because I sure as hell wouldn't have. I would have been very nervous. No, I wouldn't have. And, and I think the outcry against not that play, I understand those upset about the play, but but the outcry against that decision, I think, is a little too much. Just because had he tried tending out there again and he misses his third field goal from inside the five yard line, people are going to you know want to burn everything down even more. So 
I, I think it's easier to live with it unfolding that way than with Tennant's leg. I think he's missed three extra points this year. Um, and plus that chip shot feel. So I'm with you, John. I think that's part of it. And and then at the end of the day, they got out coached and out schemed on that call. They thought they were getting man defense. Texas showed man, flipped his own, and basically took away that first read. Now, here's another thing I would say about the last play, too. In what I did watch that one again, you just got to throw the ball, right? You got to give Ben Sinnott a chance. I mean, I know it, it looks like he's probably going to get tagged like the one and a half, but don't, I mean, I don't, that's a play where it looks like that's basically the one read. That's the one thing you got to do. I don't know that in the bun trying to circle back around, I would have just, you know, I mean, whatever. It's it's tough. I understand they got fooled, but you just throw the ball. <laughs> just throw the ball and give Sinnott a chance there. I, I At least. Yeah. It felt better going down swinging like that, but the, se- the second read I think was to Keegan Johnson, that, and to be honest, I'm I'm sitting there. I I, I was happy they went for it. I guess uh, that I think that was my call, and I think part of it was, for me was the paranoia that one of those Texas playmakers was about to do something because they had been shut down for quite a bit, and that's probably a reason maybe to just try to kick the field goal. But it felt like Xavier Worthy. Joel Brooks, you can't keep them down for so long. So that's why I felt like, hey, they got a field goal here. Let's take advantage and, and try to win it the time that they got a field goal rather than the time that they perhaps get a touchdown. Yeah, I'm like, I got to I gotta tell you guys where my thought process process was before the attempt failed. I, I said kick the field goal. Malik Murphy was 8 of 22 passing for 73 yards and two interceptions over his last 22 passes and was averaging three yards per pass. He was completely rattled and had nothing going. And I thought there was a decent opportunity. He's just going to give you the ball and turn it over the way that he had played most of that second half. So I get they have a ton of playmakers, but the quarterback couldn't get him the football after he was dynamite in the first quarter. And so my thought was kick the field goal, take it to second over. And because of the reasons I outlined, I just didn't love in an obvious passing situation, dropping back there on fourth down and trying to win one on one in those matchups. I didn't understand the bit. Would, would, you have, would you have felt good about Chris Tedman lining up? He's, it's an extra point. I mean, yeah, it was from the four yard line. He's, he's missed, he missed the extra point against UCF. Uh, he's missed three extra points in his career. So obviously, you know, not great, but you know, he still made he still made ninety seven percent of his kicks from inside the five yard line in his career, and so I think there's a better chance of that than scoring a touchdown from the four against a good Texas defense trying to throw the ball. So yeah, I, I would have felt better about that to be frank with you guys. And I didn't understand the Ben Senate route on that fourth down play because he runs a route one yard off the line of scrimmage is at the three yard line. He's not even close to the end zone. It had no chance. I. I mean, I I don't get it. The first three plays were great. I don't get that play. If it's man coverage, since it's a rub route, he's, there's not going to be anyone on it at all. He can walk in. That's the so shouldn't they so so should they do something? Should they not do something to figure out if it's man coverage or zone? Because typically teams will motion somebody then to realize what coverage they're in. Like you, you can't just like go into a snap guessing what coverage they're going to be in in that situation. In my mind, when you call that. The, that that's I mean that's the rebuttal there, um, but Texas doesn't really do that. They never did that the entire game. They don't really flip zoom man and trick you with guys. So that's the interesting part. That was the first time they really did it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's I, the fourth play. I just I think they got out coached like that. You know, whether it was They're just a play in general or how it happened there on the, you know, with the the scheme, um, they they got coached for sure. I mean, it it sucks. I don't. I mean, I I know Cole. This is a discussion that we can have, I suppose, here too, because you and I talked about it a little bit. But I we haven't even talked about the thing that makes me want to vomit the most uh, about about how this game was lost. And um, I guess I'll, I'll leave you with a little bit of. A tease on that front, uh, Cole. Are you wearing home field apparel today? Yeah, sure. There it is. <laughs> okay, Cole's got Cole's got lots of enthusiasm in its home field apparel. The uh, Sailor Willie hoodie. See our friends at Homefield Apparel at homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code three ball twenty three for fifteen percent off your first order. They've got all the best K State gear there. Great retro logos, um, all sorts of awesome stuff. It is also the most comfortable K State gear that I own. Um, and basketball season. Basketball starts tonight uh, as K-State plays USC as we're recording this here on Monday morning. So you can get your uh, cat scripts, basketball logo uh, t-shirts there at homefieldapparel.com too. So they're not going to get you just geared up for football. You can get geared up for hoops as well. Homefieldapparel.com, 3mod23 is the promo code for 15% off for first order. And we are back with more next. Thanks for listening to K-Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KZ Sport Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay. Um, look, man, I don't know whose fault it was. I don't know if it's Bloomer or Random Ladner, but he missed an even shorter extra point than what would normally be there after an offsize penalty by Texas when you have all the momentum and are about to go up 28 to 27. And theoretically, a 45-yard field goal from Chris 10 with one second left is for the win as opposed to the tie if you just hit an extra short extra point. But the snap, uh, Bloomer was not ready for it. It, like, hits him, rolls off. They do nothing with it. That is hard for me to swallow. That is hard for me to stomach that you have a long stepper who's been there forever and is excellent and has not made a mistake in virtually his entire career. And you have a punter who's killing it, by the way. I mean, Jack Bloomer has been great. I tweeted that at one point in the game. Like, Jack, Jack Bloomer was a stud early on when K-State was struggling offensively. Below an extra point. And uh, you go to overtime and lose a game in overtime. Now, I know, Cole, you argued that Texas might have played a little bit differently had they been down one yeah. point as it's tied. So I, I get it. I get it. But uh, that, that mm, does not spill very well with me that that happened. And, they, and I wanted like Derek, here. I wanted to ask you too, Derek. Like, was there any was there any insight into what exactly happened on that from the post game? Because I, I just wondered, like, with the penalty, there was you know it was a little bit different. You're out of routine a bit because of the penalty, and you're adjusting there. Like, what? I would just love to know what exactly the hell happened there for that to go wrong in that spot. It was asked, but Kleiman said it was something they still had to figure out, and and they would have Texas would have played that differently. They're not going to go three, three runs and then butt right. That's as if it's a tie or, or they're trailing in that game. So it looks a lot different. But if you're Kansas State, you probably feel really good about your chances for the same reason Cole wanted to, you know, kick the field in overtimes because you're still, you know, up what uh, up one in that situation probably. Um, and Blake Murphy is the quarterback, so you still feel good about it. They would have played it differently, but you feel good about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very unfortunate. Uh, Dy Texas. Do, what, I, I read that Chris Kleiman and the staff were heated at the officials on that missed extra point. Did they do something to like like delay like the cadence or try to mimic the cadence that caused Rain and Platter? I mean, the guy's been perfect his entire career. It's shocking to to see that. Did Did you get any indication or see anything that happened? No, I, I didn't. In my assumption. And the refs did it right because he was unimpeded to the kicker. Yeah, so they just count them for they didn't let him decline the penalty. Yeah, yeah, because Tennant made it like right. So I think yeah. that was just the initial frustration like about that. Yeah, yeah, okay, makes sense. I thought that might have been what was what they were heated about. I mean, the, the Texas guy did stop when, of course, the whistle blew. So yeah, I mean, yeah, he still got it. You should just make the next extra point. So uh, yeah. I'm not gonna. Not going to make a but, lot of excuses for that. But it is stupid that Texas benefited from their own penalty. I will yeah. say that. Yeah, that's that's frustrating. Um, but uh, at the end, 
Yeah, I don't know if like Texas, I, I just think it changes the way the game is if K-State's up one and then like later on when Texas kicks a field goal to go up two, does Texas defend it differently when K-State's driving and tighten things up when they know a field goal could beat them instead of just tie? Um, I don't know, you know, the flow of the game, there were still 11, 12 minutes left when that transpired. Fresh. Yeah, yep. it's, it's also like, honestly, like I got very worked up over the third and one QB power that resulted in the missed field goal. Like I, it's unfathomable to me that that, that was the play call, like absolutely ridiculous that that was the play. You couldn't run the ball all game and you're expecting to run it with an obvious QB power and beat them up front without even the threat of a read or the running back getting the ball as you go empty. I, I, I don't understand that. But again, at the end of the day, I just hearken back to the six yards with four plays and uh, it was right there right there to just take yeah. it so like i kind of just throw all that out in my head and just keep replaying the four plays six yards so when yeah, ben Sinek yeah. got that ball when ben Sinek got that ball dy i thought they were going to win to get to oh the yeah i was like 98 percent 98 they are that they were winning that game yeah at that but all the momentum i mean you think about the way that game was going and where the momentum was at that point like texas's offense just sputters again you know on the field goal drive they do nothing malik murphy hadn't to drop in like an hour and a half of game time and their defense was back on their heels and the first play you hit them with a and give Colin Klein credit a really well-designed play to slip Ben Sinnott in underneath and get that ball down to the six yeah I was like at 98 percent they're winning this game I, uh, I thought it was done I thought it was done you had three good play calls I thought there but I it's funny because there is so much to pick apart, and we could probably do that a little bit more than we already have, about calls or how Kansas State began the game. But at the end of the day, you're sitting there first and goal at the seven with the chance to win. So, But if you're cleaner, if you're better in the other parts, it probably doesn't take that. That that would be the argument, really. Because you say that third and one call, and I will say, in general, look, and and I get it a little bit, but Colin Klein's stubbornness to not really steer away from that game plan, which was really predicated on needing to run the football, which I thought was a good plan because I didn't have the confidence that this passing game could do what it did to Texas without the threat of a run game. But it did, and that's a good thing. But Klein, and Will I referenced it you know, in, in post-game, but he probably abandoned – you know, that game plan too late. Yeah, I mean, that's it's two years in a row that they've just been railroaded by Texas in the first half and then had this furious comeback where they, they wind up falling just short. So, and, and I thought he still had it against Oklahoma State, too. Well, some of that's like defensively also. I mean, look, the defense played great after the opening For- couple minutes, but they got they got blitzed early on in the game, too. So it's it's been both sides, and that Texas scored 31 points in the first half last year in in Manhattan. So you've had the same thing happen to, to really both coordinators against Texas two years in a row. And but man, I mean, there are so many things. VJ Payne has his hands on the ball in an end zone in the end zone early in the game that costs you three points. You know he hangs onto that that keeps three points off the board for Texas. And you know butterfly effect. Who knows how things change after that? But that play bothers me. You know the other thing that really bothers me. I would love to see how that game plays out if Ken Johnson catches Will Howard's best throw of the day down the field instead of volleyballing it right into the lap of a Texas safety. I mean, 
And Keegan Johnson played his best game of the year and came back and had some nice moments. And I am glad about that. I am encouraged with that. But that was peak at that moment in time. <laughs> I don't know that I've been more angry about the K-State football season than at that moment in time. And we've had this guy that we have been – he was billed as the Malik Knowles replacement, the deep threat of the offense, the guy that was going to really let the passing game explode. And you get there, you fight through this half where you should be down like 30 – and it's a 10-point game, and Will Howard, who has struggled to throw the ball down the field, puts a deep ball on the money into tight coverage, and you not only drop it, but you bat it up right into the lap of this safety so that Gus Johnson can wax poetic about this walk-on safety at Texas for 10 minutes. My God. Like, I just... The way the offense played for most of the second half, I feel like they probably go down and score there. And then what? what is the game like from that? You know, you could have started the comeback earlier, put more pressure on Texas earlier. And I, ah, so as you can tell, that play worked me up about as much as any in the game. So there were plenty of moments. Even Cole, we could go back to the first half. They got, they flirted with getting a field goal chance with Tennant, who has a huge leg and is pretty good from long distance. And they, they, there was some bad, it, Chris Kleiman has a lot of strengths. Culture is one of them, and that showed up in this game because they didn't pack it in and they came back. Game management and clock management, I have just resigned myself to. That will never, ever be a strength of Chris Kleiman. He will, he's, he's evolved in a lot of areas. He's got a lot of evolution to do in that. They are always bad in those sorts of situations. They are never good, and it, it happened again. So, uh, Where I was probably pissed off the most, or at least flabbergasted the most, the, is one, that you can't even attempt a 57, 58-yard field goal with Chris Tennant there instead of doing whatever they did that didn't work. I think even if you think that's out of his range, he probably still has more of a chance than to heave up a prayer. That's what it felt like to me. And then you can get even more in a field goal range comfortably if Ben said it just doesn't go out of if Ben said it does go out of bounds. Like, that was silly. That's I, I don't know if i call that silly coaching. That was a silly play. Go out of bounds. Well, but they also they what was the, they they blew a timeout on yeah, the, so, yeah they they blew timeout on the offensive which I, at that time my concern was well you're leaving more time for Texas but what it also did was it kept you from having an extra timeout to be able to actually run a legit play if they have one more play they're I have a lot of confidence they're going to get five to ten yards and then they would be able to line up tenant for that but if, yeah, so. but if they don't if they don't call that timeout they might not get that possession yeah. Yeah, you could argue that. Uh, you could also argue that Texas might have been the one calling the timeout if you just let them there um, on defense because they get the ball back. Like I, I'll, I'll be honest again. I was, I thought it was unfathomable that it, they called the timeout. I was glad they ran the ball on first down 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 there inside the ten because I wanted to burn a little bit of clock. But then in case they called the timeout immediately, they, they were inside the ten and they had three timeouts. You don't need to burn a timeout. There was a minute left. Regardless, it may have helped them later because texas did go three and out so i looked like an idiot on twitter when i tweeted out you know like how why on earth would you use a timeout there then ben senate doesn't go out of bounds when you do get the ball back now that only ended up costing them so he it, it cost him like two and a half three seconds which is valuable uh because the clock stopped on the first and that they were slow to get the clock started because they were slow getting the ball spotted so they snapped it i think only two seconds later after but he still needs to go out of bounds and then Jace Brown, yeah. And then Jace Brown catches uh, catches the ball, and they thought he got out of bounds. I think initially, and and it was just the clock stop because of the first down. There were nine seconds. Clock stops. Get up and clock the ball. 
you have seven, six, seven seconds, but you've got a timeout then to work with so you can use the whole field to pick up another six or seven yards because Texas then just took away the boundary and didn't let you get out of bounds, and that's why the next two plays were what they were. But, um, yeah, it's uh, regardless. A lot of things very, very frustrating in that game. Look, some of the best coaches, for whatever reason, struggle with clock management. Andy Reid has struggled with that for, for as long as he's been the Chiefs coach, and he's one heck of a coach. So... Coaches struggle with that. It's frustrating as a fan, though, to to see that. And, uh, yeah, a lot of things to nitpick in that first half, man. I got a lot yeah. of numbers. I mean, it, it didn't it didn't even matter, but I another close-to-peak frustration moment for me at the time because of how much the offense was struggling is, like, you block a punt, right? Which, awesome. Game <laughs> board. Up. Game board. Yeah. Hell yeah. Great work, dude. There is nobody nobody around that football at like the 40 yard line and you're <laughs> diving on it. I mean, I have to they think discussed John anyway, right? I, they, they did. They, 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 they did. But, but John, my instant reaction was like, you, it's not like a fumble where you need to just fall on it. Like if you don't recover it cleanly, you get the ball no matter what. So you've got What's four or five. There? <laughs> yeah. You've got four or five guys there literally that can just house it and they dive on it. And I'm like, heck, Great job by Shane Porter because that that started to swing the game. Like K State probably gets shut out in the first half if if he doesn't block that. Seven to seven. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, no, they, they ended up scoring the touchdown and uh, sparked, but kind of by like I think a twenty eight yard catch by Jace Brown that was a really nice play one on one. So a nice throw, but yeah, it was nice to see. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was frustrating, John. Here's the way I, I put it in one of my articles. If you told me that Will Howard was going to throw for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns, three receivers, receivers were going to have 69 receiving yards or more. Nice. Kansas State scores. Kansas State scores 30 points, and Texas turns it over three times and has a punt blocked. I would have thought Kansas State won, and maybe easily. Yeah, three three turnovers, a block punt, and arguably a fourth turnover because the turnover on downs, they fumble the exchange. I mean, you know, it's uh, you look at this Texas offense, guys, over the last. So um, I'm just pulling up the numbers. So Malik Murphy started the game 11 of 15 passing for 175 yards. He was averaging almost 12 yards per pass and 16 yards per completion. I mentioned earlier, following his hot start, he goes 8 of 22 passing the rest of the game for 73 yards and averaged 3.3 yards per pass. Texas scored 17 points on its first four drives. Over the final 12 drives, they scored 16 points, an average of 1.3 points per drive, but it's really nine points on 11 drives because the K-State offense gave them the ball at the five-yard line. You could argue that K-State's defense held Texas over the final 12 drives without a touchdown, essentially. I mean, they got the ball to five and they just punch it in. Texas' first four drives, they run 21 plays for 221 yards of offense. They were averaging 10.5 yards per play. Over the final 12 drives, they run 53 plays for 207 yards and 3.9 yards per play. They didn't really even switch their defense up. They, the, like, they, the difference was they forced Murphy to beat them in the first quarter. He did it, and the rest of the game he did not. They, yeah, they, he, literally, they, didn't, they didn't really change up what they were doing. I mean, Murphy got shook. Like I, because it, it, it was not just the. I mean, he he Cole. How similar, by the way, did the the interception for Jacob Paris look to the exact same thing that guy did last week against BYU? 
Malik Murphy, two weeks in a row, threw a screen pass to nobody. <laughs> like, it was, it was an offensive lineman. It was an offensive lineman that was out there. And I don't know if, like, he fought that guy. But he he just threw it to nobody for a second straight week. You saw he did the exact same thing against BYU. And he just started melting down. How many passes were behind a guy? You know, he would have open receivers seven yards down the field, like the short to intermediate stuff. He just, it just like flipped a switch and he was not accurate. That is one thing I will say about this game. If we're being objective and honest about this, I, if Quinn Ewers is playing that game, I think Texas wins by 10 in regulation because I, I don't think that you're getting the gifts that you got from, from Malik Murphy there. And I don't just mean the Jacob Parrish interception. I mean, some of the incompletions that were in there too, they probably move the ball a little bit more effectively. And even if you do turn it on with a block punt and have a comeback and Jonathan Brooks fumbles, which I mean, great play by K-State to knock the ball loose. Uh, you're, you're probably still losing that game by seven to 10 in regulation. I would think if Quinn Ewers plays. Maybe more. I mean, Malik Murphy gifted them a lot. He, but can't stay also plays that game differently. Quinn Ewers is the quarterback. So I'll say that. But your point probably still stands. Your point probably still stands. Yeah, the the only knock I could even have on the K State defense guys because the numbers I just gave you and, and granted, yes, with Quinn Ewers, things are probably a little bit different. But uh, only knock on the K State defense: Texas ran for 230 yards, 6.2 yards per carry. It's only second time in nine games this season Texas went over 200 yards, and you know now in the Chris Kleiman era, Texas has rushed for over 200 yards in all five matchups. In those five games, Texas has 1,256 yards rushing on 190 carries, an average of 251 rushing yards per game and 6.6 yards per carry. So, the uh, Saturday, I think it was, I think it was just tackling because they were there, they were playing the run. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of it's like the 54-yard Baxter run on fourth and one where they just got K-State off guard. I think K-State thought they were going to sneak it. They had everybody bunched up, and then one-on-one tackle can't make the play. Uh, You know the. I think it's the most yards per carry K-State's allowed this year um, on the ground. So, again, yeah, 6.2 yards per carry is the second highest by Texas this season. Anyways, I'm not going to knock the K-State defense, really, because they, they they dominated in that second half. But the uh, the offense sure struggled. And now in their three losses this year, um, K-State scored 78 points on 42 drives, an average of 1.86 points per drive. In the five wins against FBS teams, they've scored 206 points on 53 drives and averaged almost four points per drive. So for perspective, the number three team in the country averages 3.9 points per drive. In K-State's five FBS wins, they perform like a top five offense. And in their three losses, all by one score, they performed like an 80th, 85th offense in the country in those three games. And you lose by one score in each. K-State was 3-2 and two in one-score games last year. They're 0-3 in one-score games this year. I just... He, here's one more bone that I have to pick. I mean, the the obvious is, yeah, they didn't get away from the, the running game soon enough. Didn't abandon it. And Will Howard looked so good for a lot of the second half that it, that really is frustrating. Like, if you would have let him try to cut it loose earlier, like, how, how different do things go? And the receivers, by the way. Jace Brown, and much as I was frustrated with Keegan Johnson at one point easily played his best game in a K-State uniform. They started to really bring it. But, I, I, dude, I don't understand why there seems to be such a hesitancy to let Avery Johnson do anything other than run the same four plays when he's in the game. Like, I, this is not in any way, shape, or form like a, hey, Avery should have played more at quarterback thing. But the couple series that he got, he handed the ball off. Like, and then third and 14, 
Well, that was a handoff too, right? Like they don't even, it just, he's the yes, most, yes. D.Y., he, he, he is the most mature true freshman I have ever come across. And I, I mean, I covered the team for a decade. I have never come across a true freshman that is more mature and cool and calm than him. And that's not just in listening to him talk. That's him watching his body language on the field. And there is some, Colin Klein just does not want to, he is so scared of letting Avery cut it loose. And I get it. He threw a ball late to Ben Sinnott there that I'm sure that is what he would tell me why he's not letting him do it. But when you, at that point in the game, you can't do anything. Let him, if Texas is going to get pressure, let him roll around in the pocket and make a play or use his legs to run. They just, there was no opportunity for anything. I mean, I, I felt bad for him. Like he just, they're putting him out there with one hand tied behind his back. If, if that's all that you're going to let him do offensively. And it drives me nuts. And it, that we, we've had that complaint since the Missouri game when they, when they first started using him there. I do not for the life of me understand why they won't give him a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, in, in general, I think Colin Klein is kind of averse to cutting it loose in a way because he wouldn't cut it loose in the same even when down 17 to nothing really was locking onto that game plan and not diverting from it. So he was he didn't even want to let Will Howard to let it rip. As you said, there's a body of work where he's averse to kind of letting Avery Johnson let it rip. And then he's averse to really letting it rip when they're backed up at all. Because you know, you know, with Avery Johnson, you had the first down run, second down run. I think there was a penalty or or something. You get backed up third and long inside your own yeah, red zone. Eric, can I have you? It was third and nine, and one of like three times in the game that Hayden Gillum didn't snap the ball in time, and they get a false start penalty. Yes, that was yes. Okay, so you got third and long inside your own twenty, and whenever they do in those situations, call line doesn't let it rip either. Like when he's backed up. He is very risk averse, and with Avery Johnson, he's very risk averse. And in this game and the beginning of Oklahoma State, part of Missouri, the game plan seemed to be pretty risk averse. Yeah, yeah, it became obvious, glaringly obvious, that K State wasn't going to be able to run the ball effectively early on in this game. They were getting. Beat up up front, and uh, first six drives of the game, K-State runs 23 plays for 21 yards of offense. They got two first downs. They scored seven points on their first 11 drives. Guys, 11 drives is typically an entire game's worth for K-State. The uh, You look at the Houston game, they had 11 drives. The TCU game, they had nine. The Texas Tech game, they had 12. So seven points in the first 11 drives. On those first 11 drives, they had 111 yards of offense on 39 plays, an average of 2.8 yards per play and 0.63 points per drive. Um, and then three year touchdown drives for 42 yards, 12 yards, and 32 yards. But what I will say, you know, the slow start, it, it was brutal and it killed them because they might have been in a different position if they avoided that. After those first 30 plays, the next 39 plays of regulation, they run a. K-State averaged 218 yards of offense. So following those first 39 plays, the next 30 plays went for 218 yards of offense at 7.3 yards per play. Heck, they scored 20 points in less than a three-minute stretch of game time. It was crazy. Now, again, short fields, defense set them up. But uh, they really got things going. And, and over their last 11 drives, K-State had 11 completions for 15 or more yards. Um, the passing game really has got, got things going more downfield. So that's... That's the encouraging thing. And you saw, like you said, John Keegan Johnson had 
nearly doubled his receiving yards for the entirety of the season in this game, most of it in the second half. And then Jace Mound continues to show that he's going to be a dude. So that's, I mean, so to turn it a little positive, but I, I was trying to be more positive than most after the game and looking at some of this. And I did, I mean, there was a part of me that really did feel like, I, you know, I mean, that first half, I thought they were just going to get clocked. And I was like, man, I mean, okay, well, so the, the narrative on this team is the whole year we thought, hey, they might be Big 12 championship caliber. And they're just, we were kind of fooling ourselves with that. Now, by the end of the game, I mean, the metrics still like them and think they're a top 15 sort of team. I, I, I think they maybe still are there. And I'm encouraged by that. And I'm encouraged by the fact that against everybody not named Texas with 360-pound monster defensive tackles. They have a really good running game. Now they finally showed in a Big 12 game they could actually cut it loose and throw it down the field against a pretty good defense. Can those things come together now for the final three games of the year? Because you do still have nine wins out there. You do still have a potential 10-win season if you're going to go win a bowl game. like It still can be a nice finish. If you beat Kansas and Iowa State, that would help people feel a lot better. Um can that is that replicable like is this something that they can build on keegan johnson playing better jace brown continuing to emerge phillip brooks looking great i mean uh, give him a ton of credit that play that he made along the sideline helped really jumpstart things that was a hell of an effort um is this something that can continue for them the rest of the year and will howard by the way too because you know we probably need to talk about ben sinnott's comments at some point here after the game calling people out for criticizing will howard but you know for being honest we have not seen the fourth quarter. Texas Will Howard has not made an appearance the entire season. That was like 2022 Will Howard. He's been on a milk carton the entire season until now. I, I realize he, he, the offense was great against TCU in Houston, but that was a lot of check down. That was not that was not doing much down the field. That was the Will Howard we saw that was so effective last year in 2022, and it is the first time that and it came in early November was the first time that we saw it. So can that be something that they replicate down the stretch? I think you can replicate it because Texas has a better defense than the next three teams that you're going to face. So I, I think that's fair to assume. Uh, you got to really like your offense going forward. They're continuing to grow, continuing to build. Um, this should be even, you know, a bigger boost in confidence for them. Quite frankly, as long as they can get off the mat and don't have a hangover from the heartbreak that they just suffered. However, I will. Say what? I guess that's a negative thing, but I will fight back against one comment. And actually, I said it too, and someone fought back against it. And I was like, "Hey, they got a point." Because I was like, at the end of the day, they just took a team that might go to the college football playoff down to the wire in their own house, which is true. But Malik Murphy, quarterbacking Texas for a whole year. What are they? Seven and five or eight and four? I mean, they, they might be able to get to like nine and three, but yeah, they're yeah, they're point taken. They're not they're not nearly as good. Like what I said earlier, I think K State loses the game by ten if if Quinn Ewers plays. Yeah, it's it's just hard to take that game too literally because Texas is a little bit of a shell of themselves with Mike Murphy quarterback. Yeah. Um, I agree. Well, I, man, I thought I thought you were taking umbrage with a comment that I had. So uh it was okay. Um, well, I was trying to be positive there. That was my. I just let the record show. Sorry. Right. I, I tried to have a brief moment of positivity and life. I, I like the there. offense. I like the offense going forward, though. It's a good sign they can do that against Texas. Well, let me let me throw out a couple more negatives, and then we'll switch to the positives, John. Um, no, no, Cole, the ne- we're going into Ben Sinnott next, and that's 
going to be a little contentious and negative. So okay, well that that can be that way too. I just wanted to say the thirty three yards rushing and one point one yards per rush by K State are both a worst by a K State offense since the two thousand fourteen Alamo Bowl against UCLA when they ran for thirty one yards on thirty two carries. That's a span of one hundred and ten games. And in 29 games against Power 5 opponents during the Steve Steve Sarkeesian era at Texas, only once have they held an opponent a fewer rushing yards and a lower yards per carry than what they did against K-State on Saturday. K-State's longest rush of the day was 8 yards. And K-State overall as a team averaged a season-worst 4.9 yards per play. Next worst was 5.2 at Oklahoma State. That's it. So I got, couldn't run the ball at all. That's... I know Texas had the best run defense in the Big 12. We thought that was a concern. They were holding teams to 98 yards a game on the ground and, and 3.2 yards per carry, both best in the league. But I, I'm i a bit surprised they couldn't be a little more effective in running it. If I'm going to throw one more comment out there that probably is connected to, to that, it's just like that. It's more of a mismatch against them than everyone else, so it's more glaring in this game. But when you're so... Aside from Cooper Beebe, when you're so light on the interior, I'm talking Hayden Gillum, you know, Taylor Portier. I think when you got Texas, I mean, they're trying to block guys that are 70 pounds heavier than them. Yeah. No, I mean, look, it's it's obvious why it didn't work. And, and they found a way. I mean, look, for all the Colin Klein had some bright moments. Like once they moved away from it, the offense found ways to move the ball, and he's gotten creative this year with swing passes to the backs and jet sweeps to get the running game going. When and quarterback run game when they've had to, uh, he had a couple beautiful. I thought the tight end screens to Ben Sinnott both times were really effective. That was a creative play. The the play again to Sinnott on first their first snap of overtime that they get the completion down to the six really well schemed like he's Colin Klein does a lot of things really well but yeah clearly there were there were some big big lows in the game too uh after the game no go ahead I said you made me think of it Kansas State's become a really good screen team they really have they have have. and another moment that really killed me is Keegan Johnson right before the third and one that play he was about he was a half step from the end zone like he just barely got tripped up um, yep. he just barely got tripped up and that was like a little screen out to him and it almost went for a touchdown. It was very close. He needed like just a, it, if it would have come off, off a little bit cleaner, I think that could have been a TD. Um, after the game though, this, this has obviously drawn a lot of reaction. Uh, Ben Sinnott, uh, had this to say about, uh, Will Howard. Um, Kellis Robinette tweeted this quote. Uh, he said, quote, if I hear one more bad thing about him, if I hear one more thing about how he's not our starting quarterback, it's going to really piss me off. And that's just a little piece of it. I know he he called out like media and fans, I believe, Derek, you were there, so you can fill me in on that. I guess th- this is what I would have to say about that. I understand a guy stick it up for his quarterback, and there there has been a lot of the social media stuff in particular, like people get emotional and are way. Yeah. There's been ridiculous things said about Will Howard. I understand the frustration there. Uh, and as a guy in the locker room, I get how that wears on you. He's your guy. You see him working and grinding. He won a big 12 championship last year, like sticking up for your guys. You should be doing that. If you're, if you're a player now, should you be doing it publicly like that? That's, that's a whole different discussion. And the, the other thing I would just reiterate is, We've talked about this before, Cole, how like we felt bad for Will when like Avery came in and saved the day against Texas Tech. We do genuinely feel bad for him, want him to succeed. 
if Will Howard played the entire year like he played the fourth quarter of the Texas game, this would have been no discussion at all. There would have been no social media noise. There would have been no media conversation about what do you do at starting quarterback. Like, you have to play better. And for most of the year, he has not played to that level. I respect Will Howard a lot, and I want him to continue playing like that. And I am I, he was a warrior against Texas. I very much respect the effort that he put out there. But let's not just retroactively... <laughs> make it seem like everybody was making up what his performance had been for most of the year because it it just has not been up to par for for most of the year and that's why a quarterback controversy started to creep in so i mean that's one part of it another part is like what are you doing now to avery johnson's head when he sees a comment like that like you know hey will's our starting quarterback why are you guys talking about anything else i you're gonna get some of that with playing two quarterbacks but i just i i'm not a huge fan I understand it, and I, I get why Senate did it, and I get they're human, and they have frustrations and egos just like the rest of us. I totally get it. Um, I get pissed when people say things about me on social media, whatever, too. You know, I mean, I, I'm certainly throwing stones from a glass house, but I'm, I'm not super crazy about that comment. Neither was I, and, and maybe he just hadn't cooled off from what was a very emotional loss, and maybe in retrospect wouldn't have done that, but... There was never really a question mark that contributed to that comment. So he also went out of his way to do it because he even said, and I got something to say about that. Went on his, you know, way to defending his quarterback. Add really, that's my quarterback energy from T.O. after, you know, in the NFL, Terrell Owens, when he did that. I didn't love it, but more so for me, it's probably because I didn't necessarily understand it because like you, I'm like, yeah, Will Howard has had some moments that weren't as great this year. But uh, so I'm looking because he said something about the media. I'm like, man, any criticism that I saw, I thought was pretty fair. Now they get some stuff from over the top fans that we don't see that could contribute to this statement. Like I, I, you know, I, I've known some players and their parents on a personal level. Sometimes they get direct messages that are just flat out embarrassing if they were ever leaked, um, which aren't good at all. So if it comes from that place, then I guess I get it because anything that I seen personally, I didn't think would actually go to the lengths to maybe cause that kind of statement. But there's some really things that we don't see sometimes, some really ugly and disgusting things sent to these kids at times. Yeah, I um, there's there's no room for any of that, and uh, I get it. Like, social media can be a cesspool, and so these guys, and at their age, it's only natural to to be on there from time to time and see some of that that's being said, and not to be emotional about it. I I get heat of the moment type reactions as well, and you know Ben Sennett's a college kid, and uh, Will Howard's a friend of his, and they're great teammates, and Will's a, a great great dude. We all love Will. We've said it a million times. I think everybody's been pretty darn fair about the situation from a media perspective. Um, you know, I just like to John's point, like it wouldn't have been the situation if it would have been the will of last year for the majority of this season, nobody's talking about, you know, splitting quarterbacks. And the thing that I really just don't like about it, two things they talk about and Chris Kleiman preaches blocking outside noise. Then you come out and make a comment like that, where you're clearly not blocking out the outside noise, but two, John, to what you just said, it puts Avery Johnson in a really weird spot. I, I don't love it for that reason because it looks like you're publicly siding with one quarterback over the other. 
and it's an uncomfortable situation for Avery. And I don't want to speak for Curry Sexton, but on our pod that we do each week in the three mob bonus edition, he talked about before early on in the season, why he doesn't like two quarterback systems and that the Daniel Sams, Jake Waters thing, it created kind of the divide. And I think you could maybe see that happening here. Um, Avery's a great teammate too. I'm sure everybody likes Avery and everybody likes Will. It's just an uncomfortable situation for all all parties involved. And uh, I just wasn't a fan of those comments necessarily there in that situation. I will say to kind of make an example out of what they might see. Um, I, like I hated that this guy screenshotted out. You saw the direct message that Trilly Donovan screened out, right? Suck my. Th- th- those are those are along the line. Those are on the lines these players get. Why aren't you reading the whole thing? You know what though, you know Trilly. That line that Trilly had about Tang in his that was chicken. No, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I get it, but I'm just saying. If Trilly Donovan gets that, Trilly and I have DM'd a little bit at times. He he was he's been a good dude at times. That was a chicken shit line. I'm sorry, Sorry. it was. But Trilly Donovan's getting that line. Some of these players are getting stuff along those lines from drunk fans in the moment. Yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely. I've gotten DMs before too, and uh, you know, from people, it's hard to imagine some of these folks are real human beings. Sometimes when you see the things that are said, so. I get it. I, I feel for the guys that have to deal with that type of uh, commentary. It, it's a tough situation, but um, just what also you know, like the. Yeah. I mean, we're also. I mean, you're, we're in, you're in your thirties, married with kids. I'm in my thirties. John's in his thirties. Some we struggle with that, but we can brush off a lot of it. A twenty year old, that's tougher to brush off. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. It's. Uh, I, I would admit that I've been bothered numerous times and that's at my age. So, and I wasn't, you know, in college, didn't have to deal with this really. Plus I wasn't a public figure. Look, I, I don't, I, let me make it clear. I don't even think it's really fair for you to lump me in that and say, like, Oh, we can brush it off real good. I am not good at it. I have not been good at it throughout the course of my career. I mean, I will openly admit that. So again, stones from a glass house, but you know, it is what it is. That That doesn't also mean that this can't still cause you know, some problems. So I'm, I you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I look, I love Vincent. Uh, I want him to keep balling out. I would love if Will, if Will Howard plays like that the rest of the year, man, I would, I would love to go send him out with a 10 win season and feel great about what he's done in, in his K-State career, man. Like I let's, let's do it. Sign me up for that. Let's just keep it rolling. Thank you. Uh, ben Sennett over 29 and a half yards. Easiest bet of the year. <laughs> so does this. So, uh, so does this team have the ability to recalibrate from such a devastating loss and be okay yeah. this week? That, now this is more devastating than anything that they've endured before, but they've got off the mat after losses in the climbing area very well, very well. And I will, I'll put this on it. If there's any game, if you give me the schedule, like what game would you like to have? After this one, it's probably Baylor at home. They freaking suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of like what you would you would love to see, I'm glad that it's not going to Lawrence like this week. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I'm glad that it's not Iowa State at home. Actually, out of those games, Iowa State at home might have been the trickiest uh, to have right here because Kansas. I mean, there's going to be plenty of motivation for that. Yes, but if it were Iowa State at home, like. That might be a tougher one to get up for, and they are definitely capable of winning the game. I'm not sure 
hopefully this you know wouldn't get old takes exposed or whatever but i'm I'm not sure that even if k-state came flat that baylor has it in them and who knows where their mind is going to be after the way that they lost on saturday too to uh to houston dana holgerson two of the three wins for the big 12 newcomers over the old guard of the big 12 belong to dana holgerson who who had that on their their bingo sheet at the beginning of the season that 66 percent of the new big 12 wins would belong to dana okay um so Thanks to uh, Oklahoma State, the their wins total cashed over already. Yeah, it was six and a half. All right. Well, Ty apparently makes some good bets. If you listen to uh, the wins, I'd say he might he might dispute that or not not believe it. But anyway, um, I got to get going. So I hope that uh, hope that's okay with everybody. Hope this has been somewhat cathartic. I I still, dude. Maybe the most upset I've been about this whole thing. Trilly Donovan. Like like Tang, you think you, you think Tang is beating is Tang beating Duke for recruits at Louisville? I mean, kiss my ass, man. No, he's not. That's not about K State. That's about Duke. I that line made me so mad. It, it was I'm bad because it oh god, do I? I'm gonna say I'm sad because Quest Glover's out six to eight weeks too. That's what? brutal news. Brutal news. Jeff Jeff Goodman tweeted that this morning. What? Uh yeah, that, that hurts John there. He did also say that uh, there's optimism Naquan Tomlin could return fairly soon as long as his legal situation is resolved, which if you're on our Patreon page, uh, John, at patreon.com slash three mall, you may have saw some indications of that recently. So, uh, I mean, Goodman just now saying it, but uh, we've hinted around at that. So, patreon.com slash three mall. Patreon.com slash three to to get in on the action there, get that inside info early and get post game. If you want to hear me uh, do a solo post game show uh, without because I'm bail because Cole bailed. Cole was too sad to do post game, so I didn't. Post-game. I didn't. Uh, and then also screw up sending out the link the first time. So you know I was bump rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, but we we got it in. We got it in. I, I called Cole to try and figure out how to message everybody. He didn't even respond to my calls. Uh, I was just a man without a country uh, on I, Saturday. Figured it out. Yeah, subscribe to our Patreon where I'm chicken shit and uh, too emotionally devastated to have the heart and wherewithal to be able to do the post-game live show. That I wasn't in the right mental mind frame, guys. So apologies. We typically do that, though. And yeah, six to eight weeks for Glover sucks, D.Y. That puts him at Big 12 play. I mean, he's a guy they need. So Yeah, well, they're... Yeah. So that's dicey. It makes me think it's like meniscus-ish. Same, same thing he battled last year when he missed uh, a couple months. So Lovely. What a weekend. You know, Gongba, Texas, Quez hey. It Truly said a stone is coming loose on one of those Duke commits. Any chance, uh, you know, Gongba reconsider? <laughs> no, don't you add to your call. Stop that. I know. I've said Trilly's name too many times on this podcast. Moratorium. No more Trilly. He yeah, let's let's be... Let's be clear. His his tweet also, or his post also made it kind of insinuated in my mind, like NIL related, which really K State's very competitive there with that. So it wasn't necessarily that. I don't know what he was insinuating, but yeah, uh, maybe truly is a Louisville fan because he's been pushing that for eight months for Tank. So yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, that's gonna do it. I really got to run. Uh, shout out to uh, Holiday Distillery. Shout out to Homefield Apparel. Shout out to Nick Springer. Shout out to Derek Young. Shout out to Cole Manbeck. Uh, Shout out to me, myself, and I. Thanks for listening. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard.
You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.